Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into DMVR Buffs Live. My name is Jake Schwanitz. Joining me today, my buddy Ryan Konigsberg. We are presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com. Get a ticket to one of their rugby games or stream their matches. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great. I'm doing better than our studio here, which is slowly but surely being uh, ravaged for a new studio yes. downstairs. It's like one door opens, another door closes. Exactly. The studio is even getting the call up these days. Yes. <laughs> uh, someone who may be getting the call down, actually, and who we're going to start talking about the show today is Matt Rule. Fired by the Panthers on Monday. Um, I can't remember exactly where he was in our tier list. I know he was in the upper half. He wasn't one of those D or I'm sorry, C or F tier guys. So the question begs to be asked then, could Matt Rule be the answer for the buffs? Oh, t- the, yes. The answer to that question of could he be the answer for the buffs, the answer is yes. Um, is he the answer? Yes. Is he the top guy? I think a lot of like – I feel like the national narrative is Matt Rule, if you can have him, you got to take him. Right. And I could be just way off on this, but I just don't feel that strongly about it. Like, should be the top candidate. If he wants to take the job, it's his to lose. Kind of like the dream job. It's kind of funny because that's exactly the way Matt Rule was described Mm -hmm. when he was hired by the Panthers, right? You know, everyone wanted him. I think the Giants were really, you know, hot on the trail. David Tepper came in and was like, you write write your own check. It ended up being maybe – I said the second worst coach contract in NFL history, only behind John Gruden. Right. Uh, so maybe I'm just letting recency bias get to me here. Is like he looked so out of his depth in the NFL, and I realized so did Nick Saban once upon a time. But I, I this, the luster has worn off for me. As you mentioned, these college coaches can have a tough time kind of translating. 
But the other factor I think that really contributed to his demise in Carolina, he never had a quarterback, man. I mean, yeah. he never really had a chance to kind of get it rolling there. Do you give him the benefit of the doubt from that perspective at all? I pretty much give every coach the benefit of the doubt in the NFL that doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, fair. Um, the thing is, like, I, there are signs. For example, um, Kyle Shanahan, you know, like, you saw him with Nick Mullins mm -hmm. make that team look respectable. Um, there are, like, I think, yeah, it was Nick Mullins who was playing against the Broncos when George Kittle almost set the yes. tight end receiving yard yes. in the first half. So, like, certain coach can make quarterbacks look better. And I'm not sure that's what Matt Rule did at all. Um, you could maybe make the case that he made him look worse. Right. So, again, I, I do give a pass for that type of stuff. And also, I think we just have to stop the whole, like, college coaches going to the NFL. When's the last time that even worked? I mean... Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, but he was a retread. Right. He had already done the NFL, come back to the NFL. We got to stop trying that. Um, it, it's just simply not working. Like someone's gonna mm -hmm. end up throwing a, a wheelbarrow of money at Lincoln Riley one day, and I'm just like, right. He, the evidence is telling you not to do this. So I give him a pass there. I realize he could just go right back into college and just start killing it again. But I'm not as blown away by him as others. You have to look at what he did for Baylor. You have to look at what he did for Temple and say that's a really impressive turnaround. And I think he could do it here. There's just something missing for me, and I, I honestly wish I could do a better job of describing it other than it doesn't feel like he would, he's the guy. Yeah, I mean, definitely some stink on him just after what's gone on in Carolina. But also I think the thing that needs to be thought about just with him in Colorado specifically, I mean, he coached at Temple, he coached at Baylor. Coaching at Colorado, that's another different area of the country. I mean, he's got ties on the East Coast in Texas I mean, you want to recruit Texas well for this oh, yeah. next Buffs head coach, of course. But does that is that concerning at all? This guy has never really coached on the West Coast, never really in the Pac-12. Um, I guess you could say in the Big 12 because of Baylor, of course, but it was only two quick years. Yep. Uh, I, can it work for him being in his third sort of area of the country in his third job in college? Maybe I undervalue the whole area thing. Uh, I, I'm not too worried about it. Like of all the things that you know you look for in a coach like i'm seeing people want head coach experience they want experience in the west coast they want him to be a certain age of all of them that's probably the second least of my worries number one is age i just don't think the buffs are in a position right now to like care how old a coach right, is. right i agree um just get a coach mm -hmm. and if he's like make sure he's good i don't care if he's 61 71 81 obviously there's no coaches that old <laughs> but like if they come in here and win for four years and then retire, I'm happy. Right. Win for two years for all I care. Find a way to get this program moving in the right direction. That's all I care about. And the other one, I just, I just, maybe I, maybe I'm off, but I don't think the area thing, like, can you recruit or not? Can you sell a program mm -hmm. or not? He clearly can. Um, and he's done a good job at least of surrounding him with surrounding himself with people who can. And I think, that's my that's one of the big reasons why I'm looking at a lot of current head coaches. Right. Is just or or former head coaches, I guess you could say. Is just I feel like those guys will know, okay. I don't have connections in this area, so I got to bring in someone who does. Um little things like that rather than just like, "Oh, I should hire my buddy to be the offensive coordinator because mm -hmm. that'll be fun." And you you think that sounds crazy? Just look at the Broncos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> coaches do that. A lot of first-time coaches are like I think I can do this my way. Now, it's not a recruiting thing with the Broncos, obviously. But 
it's one thing that a lot of people get wrong. Well said. Um, regardless of who the next coach is, they're going to have to deal with some restrictions that Colorado currently has in the transfer portal. It's something that's been talked about quite a lot on social media. Um, we had Rick George and uh, the Chancellor DiStefano talk about it in that press conference after they fired Durrell and promoted Mike Sanford. Uh, you have found an interesting article uh, in the previous few days that kind of talks about Colorado specifically and these restrictions that they put on themselves essentially in, uh, in the transfer portal. Yeah, and I won't get too into the weeds. This is a great article at uh, seeyouatthegame.com. Mm -hmm. um, Stuart has been doing this for a long time. Really cool site, honestly. He like, gives his recap of all of the most legendary games. And once in a while... When the buffs piss him off enough, he he, he writes out like a good old column, and he he just nailed this one. He called it five hours of hope, uh, because he basically talked about the five hours between when they fired Carl Durrell, uh, and mm. when uh, Chancellor DiStefano got on the stage and said what he had to do about transfers. And the question is essentially like, what are the buffs going to do, or are the buffs going to do anything? Uh, to change the fact that they can't get transfers in. He mentions in the article, I think it was Adam Munster-Tiger, who said that um, the co this, re this current coaching staff brought them 11 wide receivers to try and transfer in, and only four of them were cleared. It's just like one of the many things. So here's what DiStefano said. I don't think it's a matter of altering any of the rules and policies. I believe that you can have excellent academics and excellent student-athletes coming together. They are not mutually exclusive. On the transfer piece, it's just based upon the degrees we offer and the way that the faculty own the curriculum. That, uh, they own the degrees when a student wants to transfer. For example, we do not have physical education here. Um, I lost my... And we do not have general education here. And to be honest, that's not going to change, he mm -hmm. said. What we must do is go and recruit those student athletes coming from junior colleges, which uh, you yeah. have to be so out of touch, uh, who can play for us and transfer uh, in the credits. It may take a little bit more work, but I have confidence in our coaches to be able to do that. I mean, we brought in transfers, and that has worked, and I think we will continue to bring in transfers. It's just the transfers must have the transfer credits that will transfer. It's a lot of transfer in one yeah. second. <laughs> um, talking about JUCO – as a as your transfer pipeline in 2022 yeah, is man. like you're telling on yourself you're telling on yourself that you don't understand the current climate and i realize that the institution is a lot greater than football right and you can't you know just do all these things to appease the football program mm. at the same time let's be honest i am a graduate of colorado my degree does not carry water in the sense of blowing people away that i went to the university of colorado it is not a shining harvard of the west you know like it is a good public university in colorado it's the mm -hmm. best in yeah. colorado uh, but we're not you know running some sort of academic uh no one is recognizing colorado for their academics just i'm just being honest and so making these changes that not only well, yes, of course, make uh, a little bit of difference to the overall student body, but will make a massive difference to your football program, which also is the single greatest window into your university. It's just that's been proven over and over again. Right. Football gets eyes on the school. Mm -hmm. and it, sports do really like people remember florida gulf, gulf coast the dunk city yeah. run in march madness right their admissions or their uh, applications went up like 
a thousand percent after that because remember they're like showing clips on uh march madness of like the the dorms are on the beach and people are like oh my god this place looks right. amazing so sports are such a massive window into your university and making a slight change to the degrees that you offer the classes that you offer or even simply just making a change to the credits that you accept and you you know and, and making it a lot easier for people to get credits over would make such a massive difference to your football program that it's just a no-brainer it really is again we aren't stanford we're not harvard we're not northwestern we're not even vanderbilt we're colorado and that's okay we're, we're like i'm not we're we're a very good public university and we don't need to pretend like we're this great academic institution and the only other two schools that have this strict of of uh policies when it comes to this are stanford and vanderbilt mm -hmm. we're nowhere in that we're not even close to that class so let's be honest with where we are we need to make massive changes to this uh, and make it a lot easier for the next coach to get tran transfer credits in and the last thing before i let you talk is that i'm counting on the next coach to string them along all the way to the signing table you're there you're ready to sign the contract and you just say one more thing i need a promise in here that we're going to make it easier for people to transfer in here mm -hmm. and that's how essentially how jeff bazdelic got a new uh basketball facility built which was a huge gateway to tad boyle's success at colorado uh and you know mike mcintyre also demanded new facilities when he signed his contract so take them all the way to the row. I don't care if it's Matt Rule or my guy Kurt Signetti, whoever it is, get them all the way down, have them decided on you. You be the guy and then pull that out of them in the last second and say, I need you to, to promise this and hold their feet to the fire. It's, it's a huge first step in this program coming back. Really well said. I mean, it's kind of a day of reckoning for all colleges at this point. You got to be honest with yourself, know who you are, and basically adapt and survive in this new climate of college football. Uh, I talked to Darian Hagan today and, you know, we talked to, I asked him, how can this university kind of get back to where everyone wants it to be? And he gave a pretty interesting answer and talked basically about what you were just talking about. He said, I think the writing's on the wall. Colorado needs to be like everyone else in the country. Everyone has an, and everyone has NIL deals. Everyone has different things they do as far as admissions. I think we need to, if we want to get back to where we want to be, you know, winning championships and having a good caliber football team, we need to be on an even playing field with everyone. And as I mentioned, when we kind of let off, that's, I mean, social media is ablaze right now because of that. A lot of people are talking about that. It's just something that really can't be avoided. And that's a great point, which you said with the coach all the way to the dotted line. I mean, you, that's really, someone has to force the hand at this point. Of course. And, and it's not going to be the regents and it's obviously not going to be to Stefano. And I don't think Rick George you know, uh, has enough pull with the university, the overarching university to get it done. So someone has to do it and they, they got to do it fast, really fast. One more note here. Um, the transfers that CU has gotten recently, 2020 Jack Lamb, mm -hmm. graduate transfer, Robert Barnes, graduate transfer, Max Ray, graduate transfer. Again, this is all from the article on CU at the game.com. 2021, Ramon Jefferson, graduate transfer, didn't even come. Josh Chandler Semedo, graduate transfer. Chance Main, graduate transfer. Tommy Brown, graduate transfer. RJ Sneed, graduate transfer. You see where I'm going here? Yeah. JT Shrout, Maddox Cop, those are two regular transfers they were able to get. And he notes in here that Shrout had to take 18 hours uh, in 
his first semester to stay eligible. That's insane. And good on good on JT for getting it done. Yeah. 18 hours, I, I, you, you know. I never did 18 hours, man. Neither did I. I hardly did 15. Yeah. Until I had to. Right. Um, so it's, it is such a massive problem. And it's really one of those things that should be an easy fix. Mm-hmm. It really should be as simple as we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball here. What, what are we gaining from this? Yep. It's nothing. You're not gaining anything. Because, again, we have to be real with who we are. No one is viewing the University of Colorado on the same plane as Stanford and Vanderbilt or any of those places. So, and the fact that Northwestern doesn't even have these types of uh, restrictions mm-hmm. should be a real look in the mirror moment. What are you gaining from this? You're not. You're gaining nothing. All we can do is hope at this point. Um, shout out to DraftKings, though, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Who would you think that DraftKings would have as the odds-on favorite to be the Buffs head coach right now if they did have odds for this? Wow, great question. I think that they would put the favorite as Eric Bieniemy. Really? Yeah, they would be way off. They would be. Um, but I think that that's who they would put as the favorite. That plus money still, you think? Plus Yes, heavy 200? plus money. Oh, really? Heavy. Yeah, I don't think there would be any like odds on favorite. I think mm-hmm. you'd start at like plus 500. And that's why they don't have it because yeah. they don't have enough of a beat right. on it to know who it is. Um Maybe actually, I take it back. Ryan Walters, I think they would put as the favorite. Mm, that's a good one. Gary Patterson would be up there too. Uh, maybe DraftKings will get on these at some point, but not today. They have plenty of deals going on though. They have the stepped up same game parlays. Uh, Hank and I made a fun one last Thursday on the Broncos game. Didn't really do too well, but uh, it was fun nonetheless. Download <laughs> the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMBR to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code DMVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, shout out to Athletic Greens. Uh, I've started taking Athletic Greens in the morning, just part of my daily routine. It's been really refreshing to have that just nice burst of vitamins and minerals into your body. 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune support and vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs. Again, athleticgreens.com slash buffs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. A lot of people say that like they make the bed in the morning because they feel like they need to start the day with like a dub. I bet Marissa does that. Yep. Um... (laughs) If you start your day with athletic greens, I'm not a bed maker, so that's my dub. But even 100%. if you are a bed maker, then you start the day with two dubs. Oh, Just yeah. Two things. You're like, I did two good things by, you know, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. whenever you uh, you pop up. Absolutely. Nothing but dubs with athletic greens. Shout out to those guys. All right. Let's kind of get into this football team in its current state. Uh, obviously, a bit in transition, of course, with Mike Sanford being the interim head coach. But there's still a lot of factors at play as we head into this Cal game. We've heard a lot about the defense. It's been pretty bad, to put it lightly, uh, to this point. With Gerald Chapman at the helm, a lot of talk about playing simple, sound, and fast defense. What a concept. Yeah, (laughs) novel concept. They're going up against one of the best rushers in the Pac-12 this weekend, though, in Jaden Ott. Before, so Cal was on bye last weekend with the Buffs. Before that bye, he was the leading rusher in the Pac-12. He was passed up by Travis Dye, Charbonnet, um, and Xavier Valade at Arizona State this last week. My question to you, Ryan, 
Can we expect the run defense to be anything more than what we've seen so far? And can the Buffs become a better tackling football team over two weeks? Can we expect them to be anything better? Yes. How much better? Not enough. Um, I think that you can expect them to be a little bit better at fitting the run. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the two problems, and you did a great job outlining this in a, in a film room, but to just simple, simplify it, guys are in the wrong place, one. And when they finally get to the right place, they aren't making the tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can fix the in the wrong place thing a bit. A lot of it is instinct. Nate Landman was incredible at this. He just knew where the running back was going to go. Mm-hmm. And you see these guys, it doesn't matter who it is. It really doesn't. Just committing themselves so early on the play, getting washed out by an offensive lineman. And by the time the running back is where the linebacker started the play, you, you don't, they're, they've disappeared. They're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're completely invisible because they've been covered up by an offensive lineman. So I, I really do think simplifying things, making it a little more read and react, which is what linebackers should do in the first place, will help. Um, But I don't think you can fix tackling in two weeks. Yeah, it's something that um, that's kind of just a whole offseason project and a complete like mentality and instilled by the coaching staff from the get go thing. We'll see if there's much impact in terms of the run defense. So. Uh, love what you said about how easy it is to just see this team. I mean, these guys are sometimes in position, but sometimes they're just completely way off. Um, with this simple defense, though, I have seen or heard a lot more confidence among these guys being able to be in the right spot. So we'll see if that's able to hold on. There is another factor, though. I mean, Cal, we don't know. We haven't heard they were on by last week. Jack Plummer, their quarterback, though, did not finish the game. Uh, I can't remember who they played last. I want to say that wasn't Arizona. The bus played Arizona. Regardless, he didn't finish the game. You may be getting a backup quarterback, though. Next question, though. We've seen some rhythm forming with this offense in terms of the running backs. Deion Smith and Anthony Hankerson really came on last week against Arizona two weeks ago. Who do you think leads them this week? And can those two guys really manufacture some momentum with this offense to see some genuine improvement? Yes. Uh, I really think that when a coaching change happens, the coach is really able to take inventory, like the new guy. Mm-hmm. He has no choice but to simplify, right? Um, but when in simplifying, what Mike Sanford is going to do is just simply look, what do we do well? How do we do it more? What do they do well? They run the ball well. Mm-hmm. Um, at least they run the ball better than they do anything else on offense. And... I think uh, your article was like something along the lines of can the running backs give this or they are, they're aiming to give this offense an identity. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is if you look around the country, teams that don't have quarterbacks in college football are just going run, run, pass on every single series. Now, I'm not saying that is the, the strategy, but it's crazy to me when I watch that and then I, I think back to the way the Buffs approached their situation for the really the first half of the season which was just like well we're just gonna run our offense like we do have a quarterback pre i guess pre owen mccown mm-hmm, right and see what happens and they there was times when they were running the ball well and then they got away from it because they're like trying to work in some play action pass that the quarterback wasn't capable of making um so i think what mike sanford is going to do is say okay i have a much better quarterback now 
Um, so I can work in RPO, a lot of that stuff that they were, you know, starting to get to with Owen. Right. And I should also just run the ball way more. And I think that that is going to end up being this team's identity is get yourself into third and manageable. How, I mean, how many times have we seen that this year? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like a lot. So Owen McCown can do a lot of things for you on third and manageable. He can make a play with his feet. He can scramble around a little bit and throw, you know, uh, he can throw a good slant ball. Like you get yourself to third and four, the whole playbook is there for you. Where the buffs don't have the talent to overcome is third and 11. It's just not an option for them. Like they don't have a wide receiver that you can just toss it up to. Um, uh, Though Arias has been better this year. Uh, They don't have the offensive line to block it up to give you time for that. Like third and 11 just can't happen. Right. So lean on those guys. They've done a really good job running outside uh, inside zone out of the shotgun. Yeah. Stay with it. Yeah. Especially when they spread them out in those situations. I mean, something that was talked about um, last week when we spoke to Clay Patterson, when he was introduced as the offensive coordinator, he talked about the intermediate passing game. Um, not like the explosive element of the passing game, but you know, those plays that you can run on first down that just immediately give you another first down, put you into second and one. Maybe you gain 15 yards on one of these plays. That's not something we've seen from this offense at all. I mean, you can't. Re- they haven't been able to afford to be aggressive on those early downs, but we also haven't really seen much from a scheme standpoint of really trying to attack those areas of the field. So I think we can expect to see a little bit more of that. Uh, Mike Sanford was adamant on complementary football, though. I mean, it makes sense. Running backs are the strength on this offense. Final question before we get into picking games. Really though. quick, just on the first down stuff. Yeah, go for it. So they've had a bit of success uh, with the quick and short passing game with Owen McCown. The problem is, is he doesn't get it out there very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's costing them. I wonder if they can maybe find something in running those plays to the short side. Um, where mm-hmm. Owen McCown doesn't have to throw it 30 yards to get it over to that bubble. Like run it you know run it get the ball on one side of the field and you can run that same sort of concept to the short side it's not conventional thinking because you know there's not as much room over there right but i wonder if they can just get it moving quicker get it into the ball get the ball into the hands of some of these playmakers i mean you have guys on this team who just really have not gotten an opportunity to make plays for you a guy like mm-hmm. montana lamonius craig yeah. um you know even rj sneed who we had yep. such high expectations for if the only time they're getting looks and getting the ball in their hands is on third and eight uh, when you're trying to make a play or, you know, when they do run that big swing to the outside and it's taking forever to get there. I feel like you're not allowing them to get into a rhythm. We hear a lot about wider or running backs getting into a rhythm. I feel like these wide receivers haven't had yeah. any semblance of a rhythm for two years now. So yep. maybe they can tinker with some of that. Yep, tough element there um, in terms of receivers. Final question here. Mike Sanford said in his introductory press conference as interim head coach, he expected to see a much better, much improved product in 13 days. Obviously, we're in game week. How confident are you that the bus will be much improved? Again, I feel the same way about this as the defense. Improved? I think they can be. Mm-hmm. Much improved? I, I have a hard time believing it. Now, I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, and I do think that between simplifying it and just vibes, uh, getting just a reset, a clean slate. I've loved the videos I've seen of Mike Sanford and the energy he's bringing out there can help you. I think that there's no longer like a dark cloud sitting over this team. 
in fact, I, I would hope that they've kind of just forgotten what their record is and feel like they're getting a whole new start to their season right now. Mm-hmm. I think that could go a long way. I also think there's just a massive talent gap that they, ha- that right. they have to make up that I, there's nothing you can do in 13 days to change that. So um, I think you're going to see them look a little more competent and that could be enough to keep them in the game as long as they don't get you know run on for 300 yards. We'll see. We'll talk a bit more about the game at the end of the show here. Uh, real quick, though, shout out to Hassel Cattle. I haven't tried Hassel Cattle yet. I'm excited to uh, get my hands on some of these. Um, they have some of the best Wagyu beef that you can find in the country. They call it Blue Collar American Wagyu because it's top shelf but affordable. Um, try using code DMVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Uh, head on over to HassleCattleCompany.com and secure the bag of beef Remember, DMVR 20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's pick some games, Ryan. There is only five Pac-12 games this weekend, three teams on by. Stanford is playing Notre Dame, which is where we're going to start. Stanford traveling to Notre Dame. The Irish really haven't been impressive at all, yet they are 17-point favorites over the Cardinal. Whoa. Um, give me Stanford. Yep. Yeah, with, with the points there. So much of college to me comes down to just like – is your quarterback okay? Mm-hmm. And Sanford's is. He's. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as high on them as others, but he's definitely okay or better. Uh, and so I think he can do enough to keep them in a the game. I mean, Cal went down to the wire with Nor- Notre right. Dame. Like, they're not impressive. So I don't know if there's many teams that Notre Dame should be a 17 point favorite over. So yes, I'm taking Stanford. By also. the way, Stanford should have won this last weekend and had an unbelievable what a choke job. meltdown yeah, yeah. And, and really impressive honestly 18 fourth quarter points from oregon state in that football game next one we have arizona they got beat last week pretty badly uh they're traveling to washington another team has been really embarrassed the past couple of weeks yet the huskies 14 point favorites how do we feel about the wildcats traveling to washington i still can't quit Jaden delora let's go um it's he honestly has hasn't even done that much for me but i just i feel like he gives them a chance to win every game mm-hmm. uh, so you're gonna give me 14 the 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 husky magic has completely gone away and worn off um so i think i think he gives them a chance and they hang in there 100 percent. arizona just been a feisty competitive team didn't really get a chance last week as they got behind really early i will take also, them also i also don't know if Penix can recover from throwing a hail mary 25 yards short of the end zone <laughs> do you see that i did not see that one play specifically but this is just the very last play of the game there they have a chance to go to the end zone and yeah. like he can loads up and just throws this thing it's just like bloop I mean, he made the Arizona State defense actually look pretty good. So, I mean, it's really come crashing down pretty quickly for them. This one's probably the headliner of the weekend. Uh, The number seven USC Trojans traveling to Salt Lake City to play the number 20 Utah Utes. Utah is a three and a half point favorite in this game. Give me your thoughts. I've got some spicy ones, I think. I, my only thought is just, I've seen this, this script play out before. USC starts to get a little bit of love. People are talking about, hey, if they mm-hmm. go undefeated, they can make the college football playoff, and then in Utah beats them. Uh, and so I think that's what happens here. The three and a half, I hate that hook. Yes. So if I'm betting on the spread, I think I would take the points, but I think Utah wins the game. Really well said. I mean, that that Utah stadium has really been just a trap for a lot of these college football playoff teams, as you said. 
I do think USC is pretty different, though. I would take the money line. Um, mm. I mean, I don't think you get much juice from it. It's probably, I don't know, 150-ish. It's like, nice. I feel like the book wants you to do that, though. They're just such a better team, I think, though. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I I think you're right. I think you're right. They certainly have more talent. Um, the coaching matchup is, is a tough one for me just because Kyle Whittingham is so good. But I just know I, that... Think something's gonna go wrong. Yep. Utah's gonna eliminate them. Then it's gonna be like, oh, UCLA, they're the last Pac-12 undefeated, and then they'll lose to some stupid team. <laughs> right. We've seen this song and dance before. This should be a fun game, though. Washington State traveling to Corvallis. They played the Beavers this weekend. Oregon State is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, both of these teams, I mean, pretty much outplaying expectations early on in the Pac-12 slate. Cam Ward really leading the Cougars to. Some impressive moments, some also not so impressive performances. Who do you have in this one? Give me the Beavs. Um, I feel like this should have a rivalry trophy. Yeah. Like Oregon State and Washington State just feels like it should be some sort of the battle of something. <laughs> I don't know. They just feel so similar to me in certain ways. The battle of the dam or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, give me, uh, give me the Beavs. I actually really like that team. They played weird. Uh, do we know anything on their quarterback? So last week they had Ben Gulbranson play. He yep. played a bit the week before. He threw two picks. He was nice last week. Didn't throw any picks. So I mean, you you mentioned I it. I think Chance is no Chance Nolan. Chance is that his name? Is he yeah. hurt still? Well, he was just awful. I think he just got benched. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. They had a hard time getting into those playmakers with this Gulbranson guy, and mm-hmm. that worries me a little bit. But they're just pretty darn good in the trenches. Yep. And speed on the outside. Let's talk about it, Ryan. Cal traveling to Folsom Field to play the Buffs. Again, Colorado 14.5-point dogs at home to a Cal team who has really, really struggled at points throughout the year. They do have some impressive wins, but, man, 14.5. I mean, I'll just tell you what's going to happen. Right now I'm going to (laughs) say take the 14, lay the 14.5, bet on Cal. My biggest worry is the running back. How are they going to tackle him? I don't know. Um, but then, come Saturday, I will be betting Buff's <laughs> money line. And I feel like there's there's a chance the Buffs play like crazy inspired football. Mm. It's going to be almost a sellout, Jake. Like, yeah. I don't know how this keeps happening. This but, is a white t-shirt game, by the way. Did uh, you hear that? No, I don't do that. <laughs> um, I only wear black to Buff's games. Love that. It's strict rule. Should um, be a rule of thumb, yes. But, like, last I had heard, and this was, like, over a week and a, yeah, a week and a half ago, they had already, they had 4,000 tickets left. Mm-hmm. So, it's family weekend, all that stuff, but it's going to be a great crowd. You could see a world in which they play inspired for Mike Sanford, and I, I so dearly hope that happens. But when I just look at the running back, I'm just like, uh, he's going to go for 300 yards. Hopefully not. I mean, this team has just been so up and down, though, Cal has. They took it to Notre Dame in Notre Dame, and then they're in a dogfight with Arizona where they score like 35 points out of nowhere. Um, they also went down to the wire with uh, UNLV in week two. I honestly don't really know what to expect from this Cal team, especially given that the quarterback might not play. I mean, I, if I had to bet, I would bet he does play, but there is that element in there that he's still a little bit hurt. He obviously wasn't as mobile um, in that final game that we saw against Washington State a couple weeks ago. But Jaden, I mean... He had the big performance against Arizona. 
I'll throw this at you, though. They played UC Davis week one, 104 yards. He had 17 attempts. Against UNLV, only 52 yards. Against Notre Dame, only 33. And against Washington State, only 69. Yeah, I mean... If you could, it's like my thought is if you can somehow find a way to bottle it up early to where they don't just realize like we don't have to call that many plays, mm-hmm. then you have a shot. Uh, if you can somehow make them uncomfortable, then I think you have a shot in this game. But what I worry is just six yards, eight yards, 14 yards, 24 right. yards, six yards. And then it doesn't, it makes life so easy on an offensive coordinator when they can do that that I just have a hard time imagining the Buffs keeping it close with anyone if they can't stop the run early. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Maybe that defensive line can make some plays at the line because it's not – it really hasn't been their fault that much. Mm-hmm. It's been the guys behind them, uh, but I got to see it first. I'm going to take the Buffs plus the points. Like it. I think that with Stanford, with this new energy, uh, that's been the key word the past two weeks, by the way, is energy. I mean – it seems that there's yep. a completely different vibe around this team right now. I'm kind of buying in. I think that we'll start to see some more just identity on offense. I hope they stick with the run game more, especially, you know, not so much in the first half, but when they come out in the second half, stick with the run game, especially if you're within that 14-point number, stick in the game plan, and I definitely think that you can cover this game. I got to say this. If they look decent on offense, something you haven't been able to say for two years, it is going to be just an absolute stagger in the Carl Durrell era. Not mm-hmm. that there was, not that it was standing up anyway. Right. But you know, Darren Cheverini gets scapegoated. This season starts and not much changes, and that's when you start looking. Okay, what's the common denominator here? And there are there at least have been theories um, that Carl was really putting his stamp on the offense yes. more than either offensive coordinator wanted. And if they just go out there and play well, it is just going to be, it's going to make that hire look even worse. Yeah. Um, but it's at least going to give you some hope for, you know, what this team could be in the future. Absolutely. Well, maybe later on this season or, too. Yeah. And the future is, could be next week. <laughs> good point. Good point. Thank you guys all for joining us today. That's going to do it for this show a little bit shorter, but we will have the full preview on Friday's pod. Uh, we'll see you uh, on Saturday at Folsom field. Amen. Always. Let's go buffs. Let's go buffs.